This is Web Suasion Conversation, Episode 5. Welcome to the show. I am Ryan Williams, president and founder of the Web Suasion Group, and I'm coming to you from our Kapoka Studios here in Fayetteville, Georgia at Pinewood Atlanta Studios. Today on the show, we've got Ray Johnson of Barrington Commercial Capital. Ray is going to talk to us about accounts receivable financing and all of the other alternative capital solutions that his company offers small businesses. But before we get to Ray, and while we're on a financial theme today, it brings to mind that here at WebSuasion, we deal quite a lot with everything from establishing merchant accounts all the way back to integrating with the accounting departments of a lot of our clients. So when we develop mobile apps for our clients or web portals, a lot of times they're taking payments from their customers and that needs to flow all the way back to their accounting department. And the way all that ends up happening is through something called an API server. So when our clients are taking payments through their mobile apps that we've designed or their web portals, the first thing that we're doing is connecting the customer directly to a secure PCI compliant payment gateway that could be AuthorizedNet or Paytrace or a lot of other solutions out there. That payment gateway is securely transmitting their card transaction information, sending us back a token that we can store so that we can request for payment in the future. So then the customers are allowed to come into the web application or mobile app and do whatever it is they paid for to get access to do. Then we have to send that payment information to the accounting department so they can reconcile their books. So if they're using something like QuickBooks Cloud, again, we have an API integration that we can do. So basically you can think of APIs as a traffic cop for any kind of data you want to transmit. So most modern websites these days that are providing a service out in the cloud are going to give developers some way of connecting through an API to transmit and receive data so that you as the business owner can have the flexibility of building whatever you need custom for you, but still use their system out in the cloud. So that can be a huge cost savings. You use API servers all the time without realizing it. Anytime you open up a mobile app and you have any kind of user login, you are talking to some cloud API. That mobile app is transmitting information, logging you in, and doing whatever you need to do in the app and storing whatever information that you transmit in the app back to a secure cloud server. That includes your social media sites like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also any kind of sales customer relationship platform like Salesforce. It's also going to have an API that we can connect. So the nice thing about modern APIs is they are very efficient, very secure. So we can build just what our clients need for their niche that's not being offered out in the cloud, but we can connect to the services that are being offered in the cloud that are low cost, high reward through an API server. So every week we leave you with a little bit of homework. And this week I want you to take a look at all of the services that you pay for probably on a monthly basis for your business and see which one of them has an API. Are you integrated with it? Is your website automatically connected to your mailing list and your social media platforms and your accounting system? Go to our show notes page for this episode and leave me a comment. That is websuasion.com forward slash five, W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N dot C-O-M forward slash the number five. 
We have a comment form at the bottom of the page, or you can use the chat box if you would rather chat privately with me. Before we move on to the interview, did you know that 94% of B2B buyers research online, but only 2% of businesses go on to inquire about your products and services? That's a lot of prospects being left on the table. And what do those prospects end up doing? They end up going with the last website that they looked at. So what can you do? Well, we have a tool called Visitor Sleuth. It's powered by Lead Forensics, and it allows you to see what businesses are coming to your website. Even in some cases, specifically what department of that company is coming to your website. And it provides contact information so that you can connect with that business and say, hey, we saw you were on our website. We saw that you were looking at this particular page, this particular service offering. How can we help you? It's a great way for your sales team to immediately pick up additional warm leads that are ready to buy. We want you to check it out. We have a free trial for you. All you have to do is install a little piece of code on your website. It's very simple. We can even help you with it. Just come to websuasion.com forward slash leads. That's W-E-B-S-U-A-S-I-O-N forward slash L-E-A-D-S. There's a little form at the top of the page. Just fill that out and we will have someone get in touch with you as soon as possible. And now we're going to talk to Ray Johnson of Barrington Commercial Capital. All right, Ray, thanks for joining the show. My pleasure. Great to be here. Tell me, before you did Barrington Capital, what were you doing before that? I was actually working for a consulting firm, and we did financial-type projects around the country and around the world, actually. I was working as a director for recruiting and placement for those people because our opportunities were temporary in nature or Uh project-based. And we hired those people with finance and accounting-type backgrounds and placed them on assignments, everyone from a staff accountant all the way up to uh, CFOs of organizations. And they were small and large, including companies like General Motors, International Harvester, and so on. At what point did you realize you wanted to go out on your own? Well, I had done it before, just before the real estate crash. I had been out as a real estate investor. I had gotten downsized at one point from a previous job and stayed out for about five years just doing real estate and some small business consulting. I went back to corporate as the market started to change and stayed in for eight years. And toward the end, I realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do long term. And also some of the dynamics of the people, the processes, and also our opportunities with work began to change. Right. And as that happened, I started exploring getting out on my own again. Obviously, because I was working in the finance and accounting field, I initially explored some opportunities in that area. But as I evaluated what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life, right. I decided that I wanted to do something that allowed me the opportunity to work remote and also didn't have to be tied to somebody's office, if you will, as much as I was with the previous opportunities that I had. So. That led me to explore not necessarily remote businesses, but businesses that you could do anywhere. Right. And commercial lending lends itself to me having the opportunity to utilize actually all of my skills continuously 
plus also continue to be creative in how you explore possibilities with uh, the financing and also utilize the background that I already have. So what got you into the commercial capital, though? Did that come directly out of working with CFOs? and? Well, one of my old jobs was as a director of a small business development center. And in that, I consulted with businesses all the time, but also helped them prepare loan packages. When I left that opportunity, I continued to do that level of work. So I've sort of dabbled into lending for quite some time. As I was doing that, though, now I was working for the borrower, if you will. Okay. And as I began to explore it for myself, I determined that I wanted to be on the lending side because it was more in my control about how I was paid if I was on that side. Gotcha. That's why I ended up in the commercial capital and commercial lending, if you will. And as I started to explore what the possibilities are, it was ease of entry. Obviously, there are a lot of people who can do it, but my background lends itself to being able to analyze people and their financials and also offer assistance as it relates to how you manage your business, what things you need, and how you can go about trying to help it grow. I was already aware of all of those things because of my background in finance and accounting, and it lends itself very easily to customers that I see on a daily basis. As we talk about where they are, what they're trying to do, and how I, with my background and also my products, can help them get to where they're trying to go. So what differentiates you from your traditional commercial banker that most people are familiar with? I don't think a lot of small businesses know what's what's possible, what the opportunities out there. Well, obviously, I'm not a bank, and I don't evaluate transactions like a bank does. A bank takes a holistic approach to analyzing what they can do for you. So if you go into you know, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, they pull your credit. They begin to look at your personal financial statements. They look at what your equity is in your house, and those things now take them to a level that says, oh, okay, now let's look at what you want to do. Irrespective of what your request, if you're not already in business, that means you're a new business. For them, even though you look good on paper, you have great credit, it's a new business and they're not going to finance Right, you. right. <laughs> but if you are already in business, then the, the next step for them is to evaluate how your business is performing to determine what it is that they can do for you. Now, the bank has multiple products. And all of them I mirror in some way. They can do equipment leasing. They can do accounts receivable financing. They can do term loans and SBA and commercial real estate also. They can do all of those types of things. But where you are in your cycle as a business will determine and dictate whether or not they will work with you. And many times because you might be too early in your life cycle, they're not going to work with you. And we take a different approach. Because I am a broker, I have multiple lenders. And that allows me the flexibility to actually look at the transactions for how it will fit with the particular types of lenders that I am looking at. So if a person comes and says, hey, Ray, I need to buy some equipment, I'm able to review them strictly on the request for the equipment rather than all the other things. Look at that, everything uh, else. I don't have to, yeah. In fact, some of the equipment requests are basically a one-page application and three months' worth of uh, bank statements. That's how simple some things can be. And even when you talk real estate, most banks don't like real estate that involves transferring the property to something else or transforming the property. They take the approach that they want it actually leased up 
and finished and already has value before they'll lend you on it. So it's a permanent financing transaction for them. Now, don't get me wrong. They will do some what we call in the industry fix and flip type things mm-hmm. for the right type of customer. But they got to have a long-term relationship with you. It's very unlikely that walking in off the street, you'll be able to get that type of instrument from them. With us, I can do the first-time investor. I can take that guy who's never done a real estate deal and walk him through the purchase, the rehab, and the financing of all of that and allow him to do that with whatever he comes to the table to present with. It doesn't have to be great credit as long as he has an interest and the deal looks good. If the value is there and we were able to identify that he has the right relationships with a contractor and what have you and can turn that property in a timely manner, he can get that loan. Tell me about the invoice-based or accounts receivable-based stuff. Because when we first met, I had absolutely no idea that existed. Oh, really? <laughs> and you were telling me about a client that had like a large order from a Walmart or something I like sure that. I sure did. I think a lot of times people don't take those kinds of jobs because they don't think they can gear up and get That's their correct. financing for that. Accounts receivable financing is based on your invoicing. Invoicing typically comes with terms, 30 days, 60 days, and you invoicing your customers and multiple businesses invoice their customers, manufacturers, service businesses, and so on. Mm-hmm. But all of them invoice and basically have to wait on their money to come in before they receive payment for the services they've already performed. Right. Over that period of time, many things happen. You still have payroll, you still have your rent, you still have your taxes that may be due and your inventory. So there are a number of things that happen in your business in the normal business cycle. As you wait on those funds to come in from your customer, those expenses need to be paid. The accounts receivable financing relationship allows you to receive monies earlier than when your customer will pay and allow you to take care of your normal working capital needs. That's what the relationship is. And there are two forms. One is a true line of credit based on your accounts receivable, and the other is factoring. And factoring is a more common form and one that some people are afraid of because of what they consider to be the cost. The factoring technically allows the lender to buy your invoice. That's what they're doing. They're buying your invoice at a discounted price. So if you got a $100,000 invoice, they may pay you $97,000 for it. But now the responsibility for payment lies still with you and that lender, and the customer is going to continue to pay under the original terms of the invoice, but you now have the money you need in your business to continue operating. Based on what you were saying about a lot of times a client of yours not having the history in their business, a lot of times I imagine your clients would be startups. Many times. Because we're not tied to banks, we can help businesses who are starting up, even if they're getting their first contract. Mm -hmm. Because some of these lenders can help a contractor who's going out and got a big account. For instance, people who start businesses and doing government contracting. We help a lot of those businesses because you're invoicing to the federal government. We know the federal government will pay. It's a matter of time. You might not be able to weather that by (laughs) yourself, but a lender can help you actually ride that process out. And we don't mind that you're just starting out because we understand that over time you'll get bigger than you are with that one contract contract, you know, over a period of time, you'll have multiple contracts. How about companies that are 
in sort of the surviving stage, but they're trying to move into a growth stage, but they're kind of like stuck. It, it depends on what it is that they have. Many times, like you were saying earlier, businesses don't accept new contracts because they don't feel like they can fund it. So it's very important to understand what the business needs are and what you need to fulfill a contract. And as you do that, then you can understand what your financing needs are. Right. If you understand what your financing needs are, more than likely there's a product out there that can help facilitate that. So the fact that you don't have the money today doesn't mean that there isn't a vehicle that can help you get that money to actually be able to get ready to service the contracts that you get or to take contracts that you won't take now because you don't feel like you have enough money to be able to service them. When you started your business, I know this was your second time around, but what did you find the most challenging aspect of growing your book of business? And The fact that nobody knew who I was. <laughs> That's, right. I think, the uh, biggest element that goes with it, even though there's a need for financing, if people don't know you exist, they don't know to call you. Right, right. And your challenge is how do you get in front of people? What do you have to do? And how do you market your business such that people know to call you for those types of problems that they have with financing their businesses? And I did a lot of marketing. Mm-hmm. And I did it on the internet. I did it. Uh, did a lot of speaking engagements. I did a lot of one-on-one type of meetings where I'm trying to get my name out in front of people and help them understand who I am, what it is I do, and how I can help them. Did you do any cold calling or anything like that? Uh, yes and no. Smiling I mean, and dialing. Uh, yes, and <laughs> and and frankly, I I think that. Uh, the cold calling didn't work for me as well. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to figure out where the people are that need your services, and you actually have to be in front of them when they need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 great to pass out cards, do brochures, and those types of things. But if people don't need your service, that goes in a file. And until they need you, many times what I've found is even though I've talked to people about what it is I do, when they need the service, it's actually whoever is in front of them that they talk to first. About oh sure, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that happens Top very of mind. yes, it yeah. is. So your responsibility as a business owner is how do you keep yourself top of mind? So I do email marketing campaigns. I do a little bit of internet marketing. I do LinkedIn posts and what have you, Mm -hmm. trying to keep people aware of what it is that my services are and how I can help them through whatever their crisis is. So with speaking engagements and things like that, where you find different associations were the best kind of way, or chambers? Chambers, business associations, any place that small business people gather Mm -hmm. uh, has been good groups for me. PowerCore is what we're a part of, you and I, and that's been an eye-opener in terms of the relationship that you form and the types of people that you can get in front of. Right. But also, there are various groups of people that I serve and serve a lot, bankers, real estate agents, commercial real estate agents, that is, and also residential if they work with investors. And as I said, business organizations that are basically business people doing business with the government or doing business with general commercial businesses, larger commercial businesses that are out there. Some service populations that are small businesses trying to interact with the larger businesses. And those groups are always having people who have a need for services. You went to Clark University, right? Clark Atlanta. Yes, Clark Atlanta. You're a member of a fraternity there, I believe you told me before. Omega Psi Phi fraternity. So you guys are doing, was it Relay for Life? We do Relay for Life and we do several other things. We have 
have a social action component. And within that component, we do things like blood drives, voter registration. Hope Lodge is a offshoot of American Cancer Society that actually is like a Ronald McDonald's house for adults. Okay. So people come into Atlanta to actually get cancer treatments that aren't from Atlanta, but they stay at this facility and then they go out to their treatments during the week and maybe they go home or maybe they don't, depending on how long they need to be here. Well, we go over there and we provide a dinner and then we provide a little uplift for them once every other month. So we go every other month and we go about five times a year. When we're not there, we go to another facility in Atlanta called Covenant Community. Covenant Community is an organization that supports men who have abused drugs and alcohol and have been homeless in Atlanta. This organization attempts to put them back into society through a program that they have to agree to. And we do the same thing there. We go down, we actually serve them dinner and then provide a conversation where we're talking about with them it's men things Mm -hmm. things that about responsibility family doing the right things or trying to refocus their lives and what have you right well if you could leave anybody with any last advice based on what you do what kind of financing they should look at or i know it's case by case but just in a general sense what would you recommend that people do depending on what they're doing many of them probably have already gone to their banks and gotten that no and might not know where to turn right we as Barrington can do a lot for startup enterprises. We have term loans, we have lines of credit, and multiple other products depending on what their type of business is. We have leasing programs, we have real estate programs. So we have a lot of things that can actually assist them. We have SBA loans of which we can do small and large. And what is an SBA loan? Uh, small Business Administration loans. Okay. And they have several programs. They have a program for a small balance up to about $350,000 where it's working capital related. Then they have a 504 and a 7A program. Those programs are more real estate driven and for larger types of requests. Okay. But both of those I have access to. We also have uh, hard money and bridge money for commercial real estate. I work with a lot of commercial investors Mm -hmm. who actually are buying income-producing assets. They're either repurposing those assets, and that could be hotels, office buildings, multifamily projects, or the like, anything that's income-producing in the commercial space. We also work with residential real estate investors, so we can do your fix and flips, your fix and holds, portfolio loans for those types of investors, and lines of credit to go out and do fix and flips and what have you. Okay. Those are just some of the products that we have that actually lend themselves to uh, businesses out there. What is mezzanine financing? Mezzanine financing is is really a senior debt structure that allows companies to actually tack on more debt because of how they're building their capital stack is what it is. Okay. Uh, and, and, and it actually is a, as I said, it's a senior debt structure that basically takes a position on some of the assets that you're trying to leverage. It's more of a long-term so, financing. So option. there are a lot of options. I mean, like your website alone, I think I kind of like 20-something yes. different. We have a lot of products and some we're better at than others, I guess you would say, because we have more requests for them. We okay. do more real estate than we do anything. We can do, for instance, merchant cash advances. It's not something that we push, but we have it. We're also able to consolidate those requests because 
it's one of the more common loans right now that people are doing a lot of merchant cash advances, that is. But it's also one of the loans that get people in trouble the most. Uh, why is that? <laughs> because it's a type of loan that drafts your account daily or weekly. Uh-huh. It's a more expensive type of loan, and it's not driven by security. So there aren't secured assets that actually back that loan up. So it's easier for most people to get. Okay. If you have an account that you're running five, ten thousand dollars a month through for credit card receipts of some kind, mm-hmm. you're eligible for a merchant cash advance. Okay. And they're very easy to get, but they're very difficult to get out of. We also have a program where if they've left corporate America to go and start their business and they have a 401k, we might be able to help them tap into that 401k program tax-free that will help fund their business also. Okay. Uh, So we have a number of products that would lend themselves to assisting startup enterprises. And we at Barrington think we do a better job than that than your banks. As I said, your banks typically are going to say no because you are a startup. Right. And a word of advice, if you ever walk into a bank and tell them you're a startup, they're going to have you go and talk to, first of all, the commercial banker. And the commercial banker is then going to tell you no. If you walk into that same bank and tell them that you just want a line of credit based on your credit, or a line of credit against your real estate that you own, it's a different conversation and you can't get money out of them, but you have to approach it a different way. Okay, okay. (laughs) Well, great. Well, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. It's good uh, having you. Thank you you for having me here, Mr. Thank you for listening to this episode of Web Suasion Conversation. Please come visit our show notes page at websuasion.com forward slash the number five. That's websuasion.com forward slash five. Next week on the show, we have Rob Riggs of Your Design Online, and he's going to talk to us about his journey through entrepreneurship. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you can leave us a review at any of those sites, that would be fantastic. It's a great way to spread the word about what we're doing here. Thanks again, and I wish you a productive work week.